Welcome to Because You Need to Know, recorded live at the Cohen Multimedia Studio at Chautauqua Institution. I am Edwin K. Morse, President and Founder of Pioneer Knowledge Services. This series is your digital resource of valuable conversations with nonprofit and knowledge management enthusiasts from across industries and from around the globe. Today we welcome Monica Denise Perrin. Monica is a passionate knowledge management expert with over 20 years experience of using KM techniques to create smart, ambidextrous organizations. The kind of organizations that are able to learn from experience in order to move forward at pace. Monica has worked in many areas of KM from policy and governance through to strategy, vision, and overall transformation. How is it that you've been in the knowledge management field how did you get there? Uh, I've been doing KM now for about 24 years, 25 maybe now. I'm showing my age. Uh, and uh, I started off as a, a researcher for the Financial Times. And I found that I was so interested in the data, in the knowledge that I was capturing and, and, and searching for, for the um for the journalists. I wanted to do more with it. The, the wonderful lady who uh, was running the, the FT Business Research Center at the time, uh, called Leslie Robinson, said, ah, oh, I see a, a natural KMA. And uh, it was something that was new in the, in, in the field at the time. Uh, I was very lucky to be working with some fantastic um, industry experts. And um, she kind of pointed me to the right direction and to start working with KPMG and knowledge management. She was the first one to throw that term at you? Yeah. What, how did that sit? What, what did you do with it? Oh, oh, it felt natural. It felt good. I felt that that was my actual natural path. That was just a journey I had to take. Everything kind of became easy after that, really. Uh, I then went to work for KPMG, a coordinator, like an assistant, knowledge management assistant. Uh, and uh, I worked for the head of KM at the time. And he taught me, you know, um, I obviously had a, a natural um, interest in it and a curiosity for it. And I think that's what people saw. Um, and it hasn't stopped since. I'm, I'm still passionate. Yeah, I can see that. You've come up through knowledge yeah. management. Now you're in a leadership position. If you were going to go hire some new people, what are some attributes? I, I know there's education's always interesting to look at and experience, but really it's an attribute, isn't it? Something that makes somebody that inquisitive person, that that one, like you said, with your experience. How do you, how yeah, do you, there's a capability. What do you look for? I, I look for people that want to express, people that want to share, people that want to connect with others, people who have something to connect for and with and want to help. Mm. Uh, and that's what I'm looking for. I'm looking at the moment, and I'm glad you kind of touched on that, because literally I've just been um, working with uh, with some teams. Mm -hmm. And what I've noticed is that there's, a, there's a, a capability that we need to start bringing in to organizations, a collaborative capability that isn't coming through. Otherwise, we have to start mm. bringing it into organizations. Um, it's not coming from, from schools. They're not coming th through with this collaborative uh, capability already. We need to start teaching people how to work in teams mm -hmm. when they get to organizations and uh, to use social media tools internally, because I think that's we're moving away from just using social tools at home. Yeah, that's yeah. fine. People are very natural at like Instagram, Facebook. 
it's bringing that into an organization that people that it hurt, you know it, they, they get stuck they, they, they feel frightened to do so do they have permission what do they say so what is the capability what's the collaborative capability of the organization and what does it actually want its um, its colleagues and people to collaborate on and how does mm. it want to collaborate? how is that going to be recognized so it becomes a more of a, a cultural piece as well you've touched on a couple of things that are extreme interest to me because they they deal with the human part of km everything that you've talked yeah. about i think a lot of industries go towards an it solution to do what you just said the collaborative yeah. and the culture piece right well we'll just get a new tool set we'll get a new whatever the whiz bang whatever the next thing is what would you recommend to a leader that is looking at in a ceo or a coo kind of range that is looking at presenting them with an it solution to fix collaboration or to help collaboration. If there's no piece to uh, training, education, learning, experience sharing, you know, all of that sort of thing, how do you advise somebody to not just think an IT solution is going to fix everything? Gosh, I mean, that's exactly what I'm, I'm, I'm working on now, really, which is all about advising senior leadership on how to increase uh, collaboration or how to increase productivity through collaboration um, and I think using it as a, as a, as a tool not as the end game because obviously mm -hmm. what we want to make sure is that we're always adding a value to the organization but depending on what the organization wants to reach and where it wants to get to is, is where we um, as knowledge management experts take, take them or lead them so the first kind of things that I focus on and I encourage uh, senior leaders to do is to, yes, look at a tool, but the tool needs it to help us to connect. That's the first thing that we need to be doing and to our colleagues. We need to be joining colleagues up. We need to be making knowledge easier to find. Don't worry about the collaboration for now. We just need mm. to make it easier to find and we need to make our experts mm. easier to find. So that's the, kind of the first thing that I, I kind of go in with and kind of talk to them about because What's usually happening is there's pockets of excellence that we need to either scale or join up. So we start with those kind of quick wins. From there, um, I advise them to start looking at how we coordinate collaboration across different areas, um, across bigger pieces, across um, silos, across programs. So we have to, or in, even in smaller communities, so this doesn't, this can be micro or macro. So you start to coordinate activities, knowledge sharing activities, um, mm. conversations, um, and you do this, in, I use content to do that a lot. I like using content. I like using content. For me, content is king. Events are queen. Um, so you start to build that and coordinate activities. From those activities, what we start to get is more of a common approach and an understanding. And then you start to actually build on that cultural piece. You're starting to build yeah. culture using these activities. From there, yeah. you go on to collaboration. You won't get it. You won't just get it by osmosis. You don't wake up in the morning and go, right, I want to collaborate. No, no, you have to go through. You have to get people to connect, build trust. You then have to coordinate that activity. You have to recognize that activity. That, that activity has to be something that is being backed. That activity has to be something worthwhile. From there, you start to get collaboration. Man, those little pockets of collaboration, you've got to, you, you, you've got to make the most out of. You've got their success stories. So they're absolutely fantastic. But collaboration can just stop there sometimes. You know, two people in a room, get talking, it's great, and then, then nothing happens. What we want, and this is the hardest bit, is for that collaboration, what's come out of there, that new knowledge, for that to actually become part of the fabric of the organization. That mm. becomes the transformation or the performance piece. That's gold. Because you are creating new services, new products with that collaboration. 
that is that's the magic. It takes a, a while to, to get to that. Um, so yes, yeah, it's connecting, coordinating, collaborate. As an organization, what do you do to recognize and reward or incentivize? Because like you say, you know, collaboration all by itself, okay, great. But if there's a byproduct or a end state that is co-created out of that collaborative experience that excels or pushes mm. the, the needle, so to speak, how do you recognize that? And is there anybody like looking at it? I, I know some organizations will incentivize it within the organization, mm. but is there, is there anybody looking at that innovation and knowledge management regionally or, you know, in, in your area? How does that even? I, th- I, th- I think there's other organizations. I think internally um, it's um, quite of a mismatch in different organizations I've worked in. Lots of different kind of rewards and recognition models in place. So a really good one I worked in, a consultancy firm, a gamification. Loved that. You know, it was a sales environment. We were consultancy. Gamification really, really worked. And I was then able to go out into the industry and speak about the new ways that we were actually um, inspiring people to get involved with knowledge management. And they didn't realize it's knowledge management. They just think it's getting involved in collaborating and, and their work being valued. It's, to them, it's not knowledge management. To me, it's knowledge management. To, to, to them, it's their work and their baby. From, from uh, internally, you know, had, had some good experience, had some bad experiences where it hasn't been recognized at all. And, and that, that can be difficult. But what I find with that is that that's usually, that's usually when you have a very large organization and you have a disparate top-down, bottom-up approach. And when you go bottom-up, you don't really need a lot of recognition because people just do. And people who want to be involved in communities or knowledge just will because they are, they have it in their heart to do so. They have it in their, in their gift. From an industry perspective, I've been very blessed and been able to go out um, into quite a few different arenas. One being the ARC group who let me kind of speak about the gamification. Another has been uh, the Henley Business School um, who are looking to recognise knowledge professionals and what we're doing within different organisations. And that external recognition um, has been uh, vital, I think, for, for me. How long has that been in play? How long has those uh, those external uh, organizations been looking at this? I think for the last few years, for, I've been involved with the Henley Business School for five years, and they were already established. So th- this this is something that I think has gr- is growing in momentum now, as it as it becomes more important for our for our way of uh, of doing business collaboration. I think depending on the industry, you know, because. When you open a magazine, or old school, when you open a magazine, <laughs> when, when you, uh, you know, go online uh, and you, you read it, you know, CNN, there you go, look, I threw one in. <laughs> you know, I, I like the Daily Mail myself. When you read all these, these, these kind of things, you start to see collaboration happening in other industries, mainly the fashion industry. The fashion industry and the music industry collaborate incredibly well. The music industry, they always have collaborations. People win awards for collaborations. I find that uh, inspiring, mm. you know, because these people create magic. You know, we have our museums teaming up with fashion designers. You have these most amazing collaborations coming from this and, and, and mm. things happening in the industry. So that to me inspires me because I think, okay, well, sooner or later, that's going to start trickling down into other areas. Yeah. And I think that we have a lot to learn from other industries. Talked a lot about collaboration. And as we wrap up the show here, I want to ask you, is there anything you would like to leave as the last thought for the listener (laughs) uh, around your, what you see KM in 10 years? 
Where do I see KM becoming going in 10 years? I see it as part of actually the way we work, the way we do business. It's actually going to become into the fabric of organisations. I don't think we are going to be able to stay siloed or any industry is going to be able to stay siloed. So I just see, I just see that um, becoming, I see knowledge capability increasing. And it, what we, I think what we're going to start doing is actually seeing that trickle into the universities and trickle into the schools so that people are coming with those uh, capabilities already in place. With those skills. Rather sure. than having to train yeah. them. Yeah. Well, that sounds like a perfect vision to me. <laughs> well, our whole world does KM. I love it. Our world domination. <laughs> what is my vision? World domination, of course. <laughs> of course, yes. Well, thank you for your perspective and your experience today. Thank you very much. It's been a pleasure. I hope we got some good stuff out there. And I'm, I'm happy, you know, I'm happy to, to talk to anybody and, and, and get feedback. Thank you very much. Recorded live at the Cohen Multimedia Studio at Chautauqua Institution. Because You Need to Know is designed to bring people's experience and their knowledge forward to be shared. I'm Edwin K. Morris, and I thank you for joining in to listen to another conversation brought to you as a public service of Pioneer Knowledge Services, a nonprofit tax-exempt organization with a charitable knowledge management purpose. Find us online at pioneer-ks.org and add your voice to the conversation on Facebook.